Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Broncos Country Throwback. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by Eric Dalala. Eric, it's Raiders week, so why don't we relive some of the glory days in this rivalry with today's guest? Yep, Phil, that's right. Uh, Mike Ornstein, a former NFL executive and uh, members, a member of the Raiders organization, joins Jim Sakamano today on Broncos Country Throwback. And while he might seem like a rival, Phil, there's some uh, close connections here, some good stories. So with that, let's get to Jim Sakamano's conversation with Mike Ornstein. This week on Broncos Country Throwback, we're talking to Mike Ornstein. Mike Ornstein is not a name that's going to be familiar to a lot of people because he's not a former Broncos player or coach. But it's Raiders week. And uh, Mike Orenstein, a, a dear friend of mine, whom at this point on I will only call him Orny, but um, he embodies a lot of what the Raiders mystique is about. Mike, um, when did you go to work for the uh, – the, it was the Oakland Raiders first. When did you go to work for them? First of all, hi, Jim. Great to talk to you, buddy. Uh, yeah, I started with the Raiders in uh, 1975. Came out of college from Indiana State. Went to work for the Raiders as John Madden's administrative assistant. Um, worked for two years for free and uh, worked there for 15 years uh, on and off. Got fired four times, got rehired four times, but uh, got to work for Al Davis and John Madden with the great days of the Raiders when you know, Kenny Stabler was the quarterback oh, right through yeah. it. Yeah, to Jim Plunkett and uh Tom Flores and um it was it was a great history of the Raiders in those days. The, those were that was a golden era of pro football, Mike. We try to yes. recapture it now, but sad to say it it is not now like it used to be. How about the wars you guys had with the Pittsburgh Steelers? How about the wars we had with the Denver Broncos? Yeah, I remember those, were uh, ones, you know, those were some unbelievable games when you had Randy Gratishaw and uh, Swenson and uh, John. Of course, of course, we were never happy with the Broncos when they stole John Elway away from us, them in the we National Football steal. League. <laughs> yes, we you did. You stole John Elway away from us. How I do you remember, figure I that remember, Jim, Jimmy, listen, I was in the draft room the night before the draft with Al Davis and John Madden. And Al Davis says, we are trading a player to the Chicago Bears for the yeah, number one remember. draft choice. Okay? And tomorrow, we, are, we traded that pick to the Indianapolis Colts for the rights, and we're going to have this guy named John Elway, who I'm telling you guys is going to lead us to 10 Super Bowls. Okay, we go home. That next morning, I have to bring the donuts for 50 people, about 30 <laughs> dozen donuts. Because, you know, in those times, we started on, the, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock yeah, back right. east. And by the time we left at 11 at night till 4 o'clock in the morning, we get the word that the league got involved and John Elway was not coming to the Raiders. He was going to the Broncos. And when that happened, that started the war between the Raiders and the Broncos. We always hated each other, but that 
That's and then of course John turns out to be Hall of Fame great quarterback, and the rest is history. Yeah, well, he was great. It worked out great for us. But you know, Mike, there has to be a villain in every story. If you guys, <laughs> what I mean is that only makes it better. Losing yeah. Elway, in a way, yeah. only makes the story better. You know, if yeah. if, uh, yeah. if the Yankees win 162 games, it's just boring. Yeah, then we went after your personnel guys. We went after you had a guy named Mel Moore who was a defensive coordinator, and right. you guys were beat. You guys were beating our butts. So what did we do? We hired Mel Moore. Okay, we hired Mel Moore, and he didn't do as well for us as he did for you. But we got him away from you. Then a year or two later, we hired a guy named Mike Shanahan. Why did we hire Mike Shanahan? Al didn't want Mike Shanahan. Didn't like Mike Shanahan. And we hired him because he was beating our butts and keeping away from you. The first night we hired Mike Shanahan, he brought along um, a couple coaches with him, Alex Gibbs and uh, what was the special teams coach's name? Uh, I forget his name. Uh, I don't know. We bring, him, we bring him along, and I take him out to dinner the first night because they were new in town. I took him to a place called Poponi's, famous for O.J. Mm -hmm. Simpson. And they got to meet O.J. I took him to O.J.'s house. They met O.J. And then they were so excited about being in L.A. And the next day, I come into the office, and I get a call from our secretary, Bed Swanson, Mr. Davis wants to see him. I always called him Mr. Davis. Went upstairs, and he says, he starts poking me in the chest. He says, who told you? to take those guys to dinner last night. I said, what do you mean, Al, uh, Mr. Davis? What do you mean? Well, I don't want you to do anything to help that guy. I said, well, Al, we just hired him as our head coach. I don't care. Don't do anything to help him. And I'm thinking, this is not going to be a very good start to the relationship. Right. And, and, uh, and it didn't last long. And uh, we played you guys on a Monday night game in Denver, and you were beating us 26 to 3. It was snowing, typical 80 degrees on Saturday, snowing on Sunday game. And we didn't have the white right shoes because it was a sunny day the day before. And then one of those crazy snowstorms came in. And we were up, you, you were up on us like three or four touchdowns. And somehow we came back and beat you. And we were yeah, one you dominated the second point. half. Yeah, we dominated. We were one and three. And the next day I know I come in the locker room and I see that Davis look, you know, that Davis look of he's going after Shanahan. And I jump in front of him. I say, Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis, do not ruin this. Do not ruin this moment. This team is fired up. And so he backs off. The next week we get beat by like 30. And, man, he came after me for not hitting Shanahan the week before. So I'm very good friends with Coach Shanahan now, and, and his son his son is a great guy in San Francisco. We got to, you know, we have that Al Davis, anti-Al Davis club, uh, who, you know, people who don't like, who work for Al, who don't like him. And so me and Mike are on that team. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, Mike told me that uh, <clears throat> when he got the job with the Raiders, after like two days, he knew. Yeah. And he called, he talked yeah. to Peggy. He said, Peggy, Peggy, take your time coming out here. Don't rush it, because this ain't going to last long. This well, is not going to last the, long. 
the problem we had, Al made him keep a bunch of coaches. And on that coaching staff, we had Art Shell, who thought he should have been the head coach. We had Charlie Sumner, who thought he should be the head coach. And we had a guy named Tom Walsh. Well, all three of those guys, Al promised at some point that they were going to be the head coach. And then he goes to, to steal him away from Denver because he was a brilliant coach, Mike Shanahan, as you know. I don't have to tell you yes. guys. I mean, he's, he should be in the Hall of Fame someday. He's unbelievable. Uh, so we, we, we had to get him away from you, and and, and it, it worked there for a while. But those are some uh, may, many, many great battles. between. So this is Raider Week this week? Yeah, we play the, we play the Raiders in Las Vegas. Yeah. Huh? And, you yeah, know, Mike, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. all, I'm in favor of them having this beautiful new stadium in yeah. this town. Yeah. The, the, no yeah. offense, but, Mike, that thing yeah. in Oakland was a dump, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Well, I remember the last time when I've been with the Saints the last 15 years, and the last time we played there was two years ago, and it was hilarious. There was one running shower in the locker room. So here you had, you know, 50 guys standing in line because, you know, we had a long flight back to so everybody mm-hmm. wanted to take a shower, and we had a line of guys, you know, just washing off and getting, you know, not a typical shower, but that place was a dump. Listen, Mark Davis, uh, whatever you want to say about Mark Davis, he, you know, he did something that his dad couldn't get done. He got him a stadium, and it's a beautiful yeah. stadium, by the way. And, I, thought, uh, I, I think very highly of Mark Davis. You know, a lot yeah. of people, the, the so-called elitists in the league, and we know there are many of them, they don't like Mark Davis because Mark Davis doesn't fit. But yeah. well, he listen. does a good job for his team. You got to remember, you know, Mark was not involved with that team for so many years. His dad chose to try to keep him out of the fray, and so when he got what now was the deal died, there, Mike? Why was that? You know, I I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure why he just you know like a lot of these guys bring their sons along. Well, Al just didn't do that with Mark. So when Al died, all of a sudden Mark is now the owner of the team. And, wow, you know, he's, he's right in the middle of it. And he doesn't – but, you know, we had some pretty good guys. Well, he had, he had uh, Reggie McKenzie that was there, who was a good general manager at the time. And he had uh, – he hired Dennis Allen, who you had there at Denver, who's now with the Saints, too. So, he, he, you know, was starting. And then, you know, finally he got the guys he wanted. He got this uh, Don Gruden, who, uh, you know, is a ball of fire who's a heck of a football coach, and uh, they look like a pretty good team right now. I mean, it's not going to be yeah. an easy game for you guys. They've gotten better. What? They finally got it, got it together a little bit. Yeah. Who are some of the characters that you most remember from your days with the Raiders, Mike? Well, listen, thank God in those days we didn't have any social media. That's thank the big God. Difference. That's the big <laughs> difference today from those days, you know. We had uh, John Matuzak, who was just a loose cannon, crazy, you know, was a quaalude freak and, you know, did so many crazy things. And, of course, we had the great Kenny Stabler, who was an unbelievable player, Hall of Famer now, but, you know, was a like to drink, like to party with Fred Belidnikoff and Pete Banizak and got Ted Hendricks. Ted oh, Hendricks, my you know, God. Those days, yeah, in those days, remember, Jim, we used to go to training camp you know, uh, July 1st, 
and I'd get up there about June 25th and set up the camp. So we started camp July 1st. I mean, these guys complained today about 15 days. We, we, we were there for six preseason games, and we didn't get out of camp till August 30th. And so camp became, you know, very monotonous. So John, John Matuzak and Ted Hendricks, they would find ways to keep the audience, keep the team interested. So one day we'd go on the field, and I'd walk out with Coach Madden, and he was hell of a football coach. And, and John look over, and there would be Ted and John Matuzak. They'd have an umbrella table. They'd hire, they'd hire two waiters. And they had all the linebackers and D linemen sitting there drinking wine at the start of practice when John walked in. And John would just look over, he'd laugh and didn't say a word and just blow the whistle and start practice. Stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy because, yeah. again, you know, you were at camp. We, like, I remember the first week I was there. And first of all, guys smoked cigarettes in those days. Holy right. When I went in the locker room the first time, I was coming from Indiana State University, and I walk in, and the whole locker room was full of smoke. I'm thinking, what the hell? Every player smoked cigarettes, including John Madden and Ed and the assistant coaches. <laughs> so, you know, that was crazy. And, and uh, you know, you just walk in. See, so I had a chance to go either to the Chargers or to uh, the St. Louis Cardinals with Don Coryell was the head coach and Tommy Prosser was the coach of the Chargers. And I walked into that Raider locker room and I looked at the cast of Jack Tatum and George Atkinson and Gene Upshaw and Art Shell. I think there's 13 guys on that team that are in the Hall of Fame, including the head coach. And now Tom Flores will be in the Hall of Fame hopefully this mm-hmm. year. And I said, this is where I want to be. And, um, it was, listen, those guys, we, we would have meetings, right? And they found out. My first year there, I cleaned toilets, you know, did everything. But one of my jobs was cleaning the facility. And so the players would find out that I was doing that. And so what they would do during their meetings, like 20 of them, you know how many pieces you can get out of a styrofoam coffee cup? like 10,000, okay? They would cut up styrofoam, styrofoam coffee cups all over the floor. Now, here's the problem with styrofoam coffee cups. The vacuum cleaner goes over the cup. The, the cup goes over the vacuum cleaner because it's so light, so you can't vacuum those pieces. You have to get down on your knees and pick up these pieces, and I did that every day for two years, and I was getting paid zero. I got the job because I said I worked for free. So the first two years I was there, I worked for free. But listen, John Elway and I are great friends. We've got a, and Joe Ellis. You know, you have a good group. You know, Joe yeah. and I were marketing guys together in the NFL, and of course Joe had a little bit of a better end than me. He was related to the Bushes, and so he had some <laughs> clear path to the president of the United States, and I think that helped him. But Joe's done a great job there and, and under a tough situation, you know, with the family. And, but I remember spending time with Pat Bowen in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. go to yeah. Hawaii every year for the Pro Bowl. And we, he we was another guy together. who, Orny, he revered you. I mean, if I, yeah. if I walked into his office and said, 
or and he needs something. He, he no. that, that was it. He would just say whatever it is, whatever well, it is. Drop every year. Every year in Hawaii, we would have di- they'd have a dinner for the Bronco players in the uh, in the Pro Bowl, and for some reason, I got invited to that, and so had you know. Listen, he was another colorful, say colorful guy, and his wife was nice. I loved his wife. When I went to work for the NFL uh, league office um, in NFL properties. Uh, his wife used to call me for charity stuff. So I got very friendly with her. She was I loved her. She used to wear the – is she still alive, Jim? Yes, she is. She has uh, Alzheimer's, but she's still alive already. Yeah. Oh, what a great lady. She used to wear those white fur jackets and everything. Oh, yeah. Very flamboyant. Very, very nice. But, you know, we had John Beek there. So John Beek was your general manager. Great. I haven't talked to John in a while. I need to get a hold of him. So this is how we meet, me and John Beach. So at the L.A. Coliseum, um, pregame, Al Davis used to walk about 20 yards onto the field, and he would mess with the players of the other team. And he would say, hey, Elway, you're going to be a Raider someday, and this guy, you're going to be a Raider. And, you know, so now here comes John Beach. And he comes to our sideline, and he's talking to our players. And Al says to me, hey, who is that? So that's John Beach. He's the general manager. But get him off the field. So I go and I say, hey, get that F off the field. He says, who are you? I said, get off the field. We start bumping chess. Me and him are bumping chess. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time. Me and John Madden, we ended up becoming great, great friends. Him and his wife, Marsha. I mean, it's, what a great family. I mean, listen, it, I'm a... I'm a closet Bronco fan, you know. I've been rooting for him ever since the Raider days. So, well, anyway. and, you know, it's uh, it's very difficult to explain. I was talking to our friend Gary Wright in Seattle yesterday, and he said, yeah. "Oh my gosh, you're doing an interview with Orny? When is it yeah. on?" And I said, "Well, I think they're going to put it on Saturday. They usually do it Saturday, and you can get yeah. it to the website." But um, tell tell us about the time. We should hate you for this. We should hate you for this. But we can't help it. It's like it's all part of the gamesmanship. Remember when you moved our buses at the well, Coliseum? We up, First of all, yeah, we're playing guys, in the Coliseum is not in the most beautiful area oh of L.A. God, Colise- and, and yeah. you, know, you moved our buses while yeah. we're in well, there buying our business. The, the buses are gone. Well, you know, you have to tell a story, Jim. Jimmy was in charge of the buses, and Bill Harper were in charge of the buses. And it was, you know, here's the deal. Buses don't sound like a big deal, but if they're not in the right place and not ready when the team lands at the city or when the team's ready to go, then all of a sudden the buses become a big deal. And so I was going to mess with the Broncos a little bit. I was kind of in charge of the stadium operations among my 50 jobs there. So I tell the security guy, I say, listen, let's move these buses. So when they come up the tunnel after the game, I don't want these buses there. And the guy, you know, they didn't question me. I was, I was Michael Einstein with the Raiders, you know, whatever I said, what? So they, <laughs> they moved those buses. <laughs> and when your team came up there, the buses were gone. I, I remember that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. That was if hilarious. actually only because Bill Harpold, went down a little early before the game ended to check on the buses. 
Right. Probably because you had Jim a was like idea me, you know. Jim was a ball buster like I was. You know, we kind of checked and balanced each other. Jim is a tremendous guy and a great friend of ours, too. Well, yeah, me and me and soccer, back 40 years, and we've been to some great events together. Yeah, Worked you know Super what? Bowl together. Oh, yeah. that was the best. I, I remember the time at the Super Bowl when, uh, oh, my God. Don Shula, we you had to get him back to the hotel. So Gary yeah. Wright says there's only one guy to do this, and yeah. and you you take Don Shula back to his yeah. uh, complex we were in, in San Miami. Diego. We were, yeah, no, oh, we were in San Diego. San Diego, excuse me. We were in San Diego. We were going. We were at the League Hotel, which we were working at, and he had to go all the way back to his hotel in Coronado, and he had to be there in like 20 minutes. And I said, Hey, coach. I'm Mike Ornstein. Okay, yeah, how you doing? I, you don't even have time for me. I said, listen, I want you to hold on because I'm a crazy driver, as you know, Jim. I said, Coach, I want you to just hold on and don't panic. But I'm going to get us back there. But this is I'm going to drive a little, a little different. Okay. <laughs> so I got him there. Now we went over the embankments. Cops were trying to stop us. And he was – Holding on for dear life, I remember. And when I got him to the hotel, I probably took five years off. The guy would have lived to 95 instead of 90. <laughs> Taking that drive with me. But it, it bonded us. And then you remember, Jim, we went down there for Super Bowl, and me and the PR guys, and we all went to their oh, office, yeah. remember? And that yeah, I got a little tour. Shitty facility they were Billy, at. Billy Herman. Billy Herman, Billy Herman arranges the tour. Nice guy. He was like yeah. uh, Coach yeah. Shula's guy. And I remember. And so then, we, and then I went and sat. Remember I sat you, on his desk and yes, put my legs up? You, yes, you literally sit down in Don Shula's office at his desk with your feet on his desktop, and everybody yeah. else is petrified. We're saying, my yeah. God, Horny, don't do that. And yeah. I swear to God, next thing you know, Don Shula walks in the door, and just like that, he says, "Hello, Ernie. How you doing?" <laughs> I mean, that's 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 like unbelievable. Oh, he just immediately yeah, he said, "Hello, Ernie. How you doing?" Listen, oh my he god! He was he was a great great man, a great coach. And listen, one of the great things we've had in our lives, Jim, me and you both, maybe me a little more because I got to work for the league and got to meet players from other teams a little more. But you know, is the is the relationships with with some great players, and you know whether it was you know I ran this quarterback club at the NFL. I'll mm-hmm. take some credit for a few things. Let me give you some credits that I'll take. Yeah. Also, One by the be, way. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to take credit for ending the '87 strike. I want you to tell that uh, story too. But go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to take credit for the bad boys. So when I leave the Raiders. I get fired from the Raiders. Why did I get fired? I was going with a job for the Rams, and Al Davis got, got wind of it, and he got pissed off, and he fired me. So the Detroit Pistons hired me. And I get to Detroit, and they have Isaiah Thomas and uh, all these guys, and but they're, they're lacking a, an identity. So I say to Chuck Daly, listen, I'm going to get all this. You know, Raiders were kind of the bad boys of football, I said, let's be the bad boys of basketball. So I got all these Raider jerseys and sweats and jackets and sweaters, 
and all the players and coaches at the Pistons wore it. Okay, now we're going to opening day against the Boston Celtics in Boston Gardens. Now, why was that a big game? Because the Celtics were kind of the nemesis for the Pistons. They couldn't get over the hump until they beat the Celtics, just like the Bulls couldn't get over the hump until they beat the Pistons. So we, I get jerseys made with every player's name on it, Mark Aguirre and Bill Lambeard, and we warm up in Boston Gardens, first game of the season, in Raider jerseys. And so became the bad boys, the bad boys of football. And then they took on that identity, and they became rugged and rough. And if you ever see Dennis Rodman or Isaiah Thomas or any of those guys anywhere, ask them, who is the creator of the bad boys? And they'll say, Mike Ornstein. Talk about the strike of 87. I mean, I remember it. Maybe you're too yeah. modest. Yeah, well, the strike really of 87, modest, I, was work, I was working for NFL Properties, and I remember Paul Tagliabue was our commissioner. He just kind of started that year. And so in those days, the league was broken into the National Football League, which handled the football operations, and a company called NFL Properties that handled the marketing. And I was working for properties. And they hired me because when I was at the Raiders, I did, we did anything we wanted and went against the league on everything, everything that they did. And so when, you know, I left the Pistons, the NFL said, listen, why don't you come work for us? And then, you know, you could watch these other teams from trying to, you know, steal sponsors. So I go work for them, and Paul says, listen, we're fighting the Players Association, okay? They're, they're, they're beating us because they're taking the licensing money from uh, – so how the licensing money works, and let's say the back of the jersey, it has the name Elway, okay? The, the licensee, the jersey licensee, he pays 7.5% to the union, and 7.5% goes to John. So the union was taking that 7.5%, and they were fighting us, and we were getting ready for a big strike. And so he says to me, can you sign, can you sign players? I said, uh, you know, what's my budget? He said, no budget. You could spend whatever you want. Okay, so I could go into a team and, and uh, sign anybody I want and pay anything? He said, yeah, let's just sign them and make them sign a release giving us the rights to their marketing. So the first team I go to, none other than the Denver Broncos. Who's the coach? Coach Reeves, the great coach Dan Reeves. Great, 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 great guy. Love him. Hall of Famer in my mind. Coach Reeves, I say to Coach, listen, I need to speak to the team. What do you want to speak about? Well, I want to make them an offer. So he gets me up there and not Randy Grad Mecklenburg was the union rep. And mm-hmm. he had already heard I was coming, and he was pissed, and he's yelling and screaming at me. And Coach Reeves said, no, let him speak. Let him speak. So I go up there, and I said, guys, here's the deal. I'm going to offer – you're getting $1,000 a year from the union for your rights for marketing. I'm going to give everybody in this room at least $10,000. I'm going to give you a two-year deal. And I'm going to give you your first $10,000 today. Some of you I'm going to give twenty-five. 
you know what, Elway, I'm going to give you 100. Gratishaw, you're going to get 50. And if you're interested, I'm going to be in this office. I'm going to be here for the rest of the day. Well, 50 guys lined up. And I'd meet each guy, and I'd sign them. And then I would take, the, in those days, we had these carbon checks. So you'd write on one check, and then you'd have a receipt. I'd give the guy the check. He'd sign the contract. And at the end of the day, I'd send the receipts back to the office, to my secretary, Katie Gilligan. So she didn't do anything. She'd take the FedEx, and she'd put it in the corner. Well, anyway, I'm at Team 23, Team 23. And I get a call from Roger Goodell. He's the assistant at the assistant AFC commissioner, not the commissioner, head of AFC PR, whatever that was. And he says, well, how are you doing? I said, I don't know. I've been, I've been sending the checks back every day. I don't know how many, how many guys did you sign. John, I, uh, Roger, I don't know how many I signed. I signed a lot. He said, well, don't go any farther because the union is about to crush them. They've had to come to their knees. They have no money left because the licensees weren't paying them for the players. Well, the next thing, they add them up, and I spent $35 million a year for two years. So I gave away $35 million. Now, that sounds like a lot of money, but you know what? We had that collective bargaining agreement for 23 years. And right. so the, the, the people like Bill Polians and the, and the, the old school people from the NFL, this new young group, they wouldn't know anything about it. But I'll get credit for that from a lot of the old school guys saying, hey, you know, you helped, you helped it. And it was, oh, and yeah. that's why when I walk around to alumni things, most of those guys give me a hug because I, I paid them a lot of money. You know, they only paid sure 140 grand a year in those days. So when you gave a guy 25 grand, you were, I remember Cortez Kennedy I gave him 50 grand. To this day, when he died, uh, you know, we were friends at the New Orleans Saints. I've been working for them. And he said, man, you gave me more money at that year than I made from playing football. So it was all cool. Good stuff. It's all good. Well, Mike, yeah. this has been a lot of fun. And I yeah. know you've got a, a medical appointment to go to. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm going to let you go let here. Me, let, me just, let me just say to you Bronco fans, hang in there. I think it's, it's going to be good. It's going in the right direction. you got a, a good quarterback. you got some players. You lost the linebacker early. That didn't help, but you got some players, and it's just a matter of time. And have faith. Keep the faith. And when you look up in the stands during the game, you'll see a little guy. His name is Jim Sakamala. He's been at game, how many games? 965. How many games have you been to? Something like 975. 975 games he's never missed. Yeah, that's and about it, yeah. sitting next to him will be his beautiful wife, Joanne, who's a very loyal fan, too, and great yeah, family, she's great right kids. The, so. She's right in the kitchen right now. She's listening to our talk. All right, well, tell her I send my love. And she's waving. Jo Jim. Joanne's waving, thanks and she for, says hi. Uh, thanks for letting me be part of this, and I appreciate it. Hopefully it was interesting to your, to your listeners. All the best and all my love. Phil, some good stories there with Jim Sakamano's conversation with Mike Orenstein. Uh, who knew that a former Raiders employee would have such good stories to tell about John Elway? Yeah, uh, a lot of good stories. And obviously that was the heyday of this rivalry where it always came down to a couple games here or there uh, for making the playoffs. So uh, some cool stories there, including uh, 
some stuff about the 1987 player strike. Uh, these are the kind of details that you get in Broncos Country Throwback. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you uh, rate it, subscribe. You can find Broncos Country Throwback wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or even Stitcher. We'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. But until then, for Jim Sakamano and Eric Dalla, I'm Phil Milani.